This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird, but love it anyway. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a professor and a biblical scholar and my favorite childhood drink, uh, into my teens actually, no second place, but I haven't had a drop in maybe 20 years, was Mountain Dew. My name is Leah Payne. I'm a historian, author, professor, and I have no guru. Does that mean I am a guru? 1000% means that. (laughs) Today we're talking about Bob Ross, soft-spoken, do-it-yourself painting icon who is also now a guru to millennials. How did Bob Ross become a guru to so many? And can we sell his soul through CGI? And what is a guru anyway? Join us. Join us. Have you ever watched a Bob Ross painting video? Oh, of I've, course you have. I've watched of course. many. You have, I, really? Yes. I have the, this memory of staying up late with my dad oh. and watching them on PBS. It's such dad energy. It, it's, it's the peak dad energy. total dad energy. And my dad did, like, he had a Bob Ross impression that he would do, you know. Really? With the happy little trees. Why, you did, know, your da- why did your dad like watching it? I don't know. You know, I think... My dad's life was so stressful, uh, and I think he just kind of liked zoning out to that that wonderful yep, voice yep. and just the calm of Bob Ross. If you wanted to make the indication of a happy little cloud, all you do is just sort of tap. A little stringy cloud just lives right there in the brush, and that easy. We'll blend him out and have a little stringer cloud there. Have you yep. have you watched much Bob Ross? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Used to watch it when it was on PBS. Oh yeah. Back when we had, you know, an antenna and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I watch it now. Uh that idea of the comfort though, yeah. I never would have understood back in my edgier days of like was like one year in my twenties. I think when I was like twenty seven, I had one edgy year where I wanted to watch TV and shows and things that were um y- that were hard to watch. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And now it's like it's like the missus and I flop down on the couch and it's like cooking videos. Right. Because I just can't, it depends what kind of life you're living at the time, but I don't, I'm the kind of person like when life is hard, I don't feel comfort by seeing like skulls getting crushed. Oh, I do. Asterisk. I have been watching the walking dead in 10 minute Uh, increments at lunch. (laughs) I'm not, I'm still not very far, but we need to do another episode on that. Like a catch up. We do. Because I'm, I'm, I wasn't as far as I'd hoped to be when we, when we talked about that last. Okay. I need to catch up because I got to figure out if I have the stomach for it. Because that one's a lot for me, but I love like violent, very sad. Yeah stuff i don't even know why but to me bob ross a couple of years ago i watched this thing about asmr um autonomous sensory meridian response have you heard of that yes yes you know there's like this whole youtube genre of people who just like have a kind of voice or make particular sounds that give you that tingling i get that really but not from i i try so i like started to click through and um bob ross he is for me. His voice is so soothing. Just does that thing, and I'm just like like a cat purring or something. I wonder if I could. I wonder if I could play something for you, please. That might disrupt the, the happy feelings. Okay, okay. Um, and and this is something that. Well, let me just play it. It's a commercial. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a commercial starring Bob Ross. He didn't do many commercials, I don't think, in his life. Very um, nice. Bob Ross has, has passed away as of several years ago. Um, and the only thing you need to know, listening to this, um, oh listener 
um, is that it's Bob Ross. He's at his easel. It's the iconic Bob Ross thing. Mm-hmm. There's a mountainscape painted, but in the middle of this mountainscape is a crisp, clean, plasticky, shining chartreuse green bottle of Mountain Dew. Okay, here's the <laughs> nice. com- here's the commercial. How about we add some happy little droplets? Sometimes in life you get a little thirsty, and when a refreshing opportunity comes along, you can just. Shoot, that's good. I did not like that. Okay. I remember that. Can I? Okay. So this, can I read you some of the YouTube comments? Please. Um, top comment right now. This feels like I'm spitting on a man's grave and legacy. <laughs> I totally agree. Comment number two. This feels like dragging Bob's corpse out of the ground and puppeteering it to like Mountain Dew. Number three, incredible. I've never had an advertisement turn me completely off of buying their products so efficiently and effectively. <laughs> so is Mr. Rogers going to endorse Pepsi next? <gasps> yes, this that's is the exactly most, right. This is the most disrespectful ad I've ever watched. Welp, I need a reason to stop drinking Mountain Dew anyways. How dare you stand where he stood? <laughs> that's the best one. <laughs> How dare you stand? What what do you think occasions this kind of rage? A lot of people do commercials. A lot, oh, of, a lot of people oh, sell out. What yeah. was What was so bad about this? Oh, gosh. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember this one commercial from my childhood wherein it was, uh, I think, a Diet Coke commercial mm-hmm. with um, Paula Abdul uh, oh, yeah. and dancing with yep. Gene Kelly. Yes. And I bet you yep. fans of Gene Kelly felt yep. the same way yep. because they yep. felt like this is what it is to live in late stage capitalism, wherein <laughs> like your treasured cultural icons are then... I mean, don't get me wrong. Paula Abdul is an amazing dancer and performer, but yeah. I've got to find Gene that commercial Kelly. now. Oh man, I'm going to remember find it. it, right? Well, it's like it's like I guess using something that seemed kind of sacred mm-hmm. for for money. Um, I'm just looking at the comments. She recently danced with herself in another commercial. <laughs> It's not that it's not about Paula Abdul. It's just like using pa- Paula Abdul is living, right? Yeah. And she can choose. Yeah. It's like using Marilyn Monroe. Right. You know, people use that stuff all the time. Right. Right. There's something that just feels Bob Ross though. Doesn't he feel almost like, like innocent? Yes. That's it's the pure. It's the issue of purity. Like Bob yeah. Ross is like too pure for this life. It's that kind of vibe, kind of like a Mister Rogers thing. Although or Bob, like Lavar Burton, right? Totally. Like reading, reading Rainbow. Rainbow. You don't want to do s- not sell me. I don't want to see that. <laughs> It's like, you know, our we childhoods were very precious and you don't want some aspect of that sullied, pimped, Why pimped did, out. Let, let me question this because I had the same exact response, like yep. like the, the gross out response. But yep. wouldn't the, the response be like, shouldn't we interrogate why does selling something feel so gross? Yeah, why does it? I mean, the idea that there could be a transaction around something that people want things that people need things yeah like what's you know you said it mountain dew is the iconic drink of dudes of your generation (laughs) (laughs) well that is what's so wrong about tying it to the show that we watched when we were kids well and i think that this is something like i think a lot of people feel this way about their religious or their spiritual cultures certainly this is something that has invaded Mm -hmm. the kind of christianities that we've been familiar with which is like this idea of like you're not really so much going to church anymore, but you're going to a brand. You know, I just watched a really excellent American experience about Billy Graham, oh, Reverend Billy, Billy Graham. Oh, very nice. Yeah, they had some really 
amazing historians talking about his life. And they noted that Billy Graham was a salesman before he became yeah. an evangelist and sense. always thought of himself as selling the gospel. Right. So Billy Graham didn't seem to find anything particularly right. wrong right. with like sales culture and Christianity. Right. But I think a lot of people since. Right. And, and a lot of people in his era. Right. Uh, lots of lots of his well, contemporaries I, criticized him for that, but I think it, it is about a purity thing, though, because I mean it's a simple kind of like one-two punch, which is number one. I think people want their spiritual experiences, ideally, if not in practice. Sometimes we just want an image of an experience that's like this, without really caring mm -hmm. if it's actually like this. But we want it to be pure, to be un unmarked by the in, the dirty interest that comes when you when you monetize something. Well, right? I'm uh, reminded of a biblical passage of uh, uh, something from Jesus where he says yeah. you cannot serve both God and money he, mammon. Not, not not you can try and it might work a little bit or you got to make the two work together or I mean the um the the was it the 18th century classic American preacher Cotton Mather is that how you pronounce his mm -hmm. name he's one of your people Mather, from your, yeah. Cotton Mather said had this famous image where like we're all rowing towards salvation you row with one oar is like your spiritual and the other one is your prosperity and you can't do one more than the other. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, your boat is not going to go straight. Well, so you got to mix those. You got to row them. But like that to me sounds like a little different. That sounds like you're serving. He's saying serve God and mammon in ways that are like compatible and propel you forward. Well, right? Marx Faber says that Mather and company are the example yeah. of like, uh, of a certain form of Christianity, Protestantism, mm -hmm. working well mm -hmm. with with capitalism, but there's just something about Bob Ross. Maybe if we had seen Cotton Mather deliver that message, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree that there's some sort of feeling that you get, Yeah, but you know, what's interesting is that we live in an era wherein so many religious leaders are tied to our capitalistic culture. I mean, they, right. it, it almost feels like once you get to a certain size of audience, you can't help it. Like even people, and this is not like a, this is not divided along political lines. There right. are very like lefty and very conservative mm -hmm. religious leaders that also have sponsorships that also sell things like have holiday gift guides, mm -hmm. just like Oprah, right. you know? So I just think it, it it's so is it sort of like what Weber says? You just can't get out of it. It is. It's a. It's a cage. Well, here I think here's one. Here's the kind of like if you want to do like a biblical, you know, kind of like rejoinder to this whole yeah. thing, you could go to uh, in the New Testament, just off the top of my head, First Timothy five eighteen. <laughs> you just happen. I just happen to having to. Having to it's just to one of those things that's like right there. Um, yeah. But it's like talking about elders in 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 the, in the church in the early Christian church. Elders oh, who elders who lead. Um, basically something like I'm paraphrasing elders who lead effectively are worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching for the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. So I think that would be the kind of verse you could use. You could adduce to say, okay, I get it. It could seem like this should be something different, mm -hmm. but actually even those, especially those, it's even double those who preach and teach should be worthy just like a, just like an animal, just like anyone who works. It's work, it's real work, and it should be rewarded with this, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain. In other words, 
you know, let the preacher preach and let the preacher provide for her, his family at the same time. Well, of course, the Paul of First Timothy maybe doesn't think her or his family, but that's a separate um, issue, um, you know, right. about the gendered uh, pastors. I, I'm just making fun of my gender inclusive okay. pro- pronouns there, which maybe the, the, the putative author of the Timothys, the pastorals wouldn't have agreed with. But probably not. That's a separate issue. The point is, I think that would be the kind of place where you'd go to say, no, 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 no. This is like, yeah, you do exactly like you said with Billy Graham. You would, of course, you would make it work. Um, and any t- and you could even make like a weird Bob Rossian application. Like, hey, people love Mountain Dew. Anything that makes you feel good. Like, isn't that what, isn't that what products are about? Like feeling good. And so Bob Ross makes you feel good. And if you can associate those two things, like he's all for it. Just feel good. That's great. It's really interesting because this is a really Christian-centered conversation that we're having, of yeah. course, right? Because yeah. And part of that has to do with, we were just talking about, things in the United States, which is predominantly Christian. But a lot of these, these attempts to join something that seems sacred Mm -hmm. um, to money Mm -hmm. stand outside of traditional Christian or even like any kind of religious Mm -hmm. boundary, but they seem to still have that kind of religious like ring to it. Like, for example, what if, what if this would have been, somebody trying to use footage of Kobe Bryant oh, to sell too soon. I don't know. Tennis shoes, for example, right. bringing it home to our, right. our area where in Nike, like some people have accused Nike of right. using his image after right. his death right. in a kind of profiteering way. That's um, not even religious, but it feels religious. What is it? It feels religious because I think it involves issues of afterlife. Oh, I think you're right. Because this whole, okay, now what's another problem with this commercial? And now I'm looking at an article this is in Yahoo News. This article actually stands out to me so distinctly. Elston Ramsey. We've got to get Elston Ramsey on the show. Yeah. How many, how many times have we said that recently? We've got to get this person on the show. Yeah. We're going to start doing By the way, yes, listeners who are keeping up with us in real time, we're going to start. We've got interviews lined up and they're really good, by they the way. They are. And I'm oh, so excited. Oh, we're so excited. Okay. They're but, coming, anyway. but anyway, Elston Ramsey, you've got to get him on the show. He's got this article on Yahoo News. You know how sometimes in the news articles, they'll put how long of a read it is at the mm-hmm. top? Five minutes. I like to see three to five minutes. I, I'm okay with nine minutes. Sometimes I skim. This well, is, if it's like the Atlantic, they do great yep. or Slate. They do these this, great think pieces. This is a 57-minute read. It is endless scrolling, and it is about Bob Ross. And the title of the article is Sex, Deceit, and Scandal, The yes. Ugly War Over Bob Ross's Ghost. How could you not be attracted to an article like that? Yeah, it's, I was. it's actually, it has all the things. I admit, Alston Ramsey, I could not read this whole thing. This is an insanely amazing dump of information and research, but let me just give you the- I love it. It feels very academic. Keep going. I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the key point here. Yes, he says, quote, if that weren't enough, he's hawking- uh, uh, um, if that weren't enough, he's hawking Mountain Dew in a new CGI commercial that's right on the edge of the uncanny oh, valley. Yeah. Um, and he says, yes, Bob Ross is a beacon of light in an ever darkening world, an endless stream of soothing bon mots perfectly at home in the meme and merchandise Internet era. He was also recently in federal court. Or to be more precise, his eponymous company, Bob Ross uh, Inc., was uh, now run by the daughter of Bob Ross's business partners, Annette and Walt Kowalski. Bob Ross Inc. was defending itself against claims that it had made millions of dollars by illegally licensing Bob's image over the last decade, expanding far beyond the company's original core business of selling Bob Ross themed paints and paint supplies. Mm. So it's this deep dive into intellectual property law. I, I love a story like and this. And who, you know, CIA style tape recordings deathbed marriages, estate changes, just like all this insane stuff. This is a great story. So this is a wormhole, but I think back to your question, why why does this feel? Why does why does the Kobe Bryant thing feel religious somehow? But it, besides the intense devotion, I think it also feels religious because it has it's like an afterlife thing. 
Your soul is like living in this ghost or this CGI thing, which, you know, raises like these bizarre and uncomfortable questions that people would not have obviously been asking before, you know, very long ago. I think that that is, this is bringing it back to one of our earliest episodes where we did this thing about a Black Mirror episode about Mm. the afterlife, wherein, you know, character, like the characters could live potentially their 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 intellect mm-hmm. could be uploaded into this computer and they could live forever mm-hmm. and there's just something fundamentally creepy about that you can understand the draw but also it's just it, it it's the uncanny valley i think it's like you just it doesn't yep. it feels like life but then it, it it's so off-putting because it doesn't i think i think that's right i think anytime you're talking about life after death mm-hmm. there's even in our really crass world, mm-hmm. there's something that just feels like you should be respectful <laughs> the word, in some yeah. sort of way. The word uncanny is a good one because I think the German word for that, the Freudian word is unheimlich, which mm. means literally heimlich means heimlich as an adjective means homeliness or being at home. Mm. So unheimlich as uncanny means the not at home. So this idea that you're kind of like, you know, like if, if someone if someone went into your house and rearranged a bunch of your stuff, but kind of kept it sort of the same, but it wasn't quite the same. Mm-hmm. And you kind of went into it and you were like, something is like off, but I don't know what, like that's uncanny, like in that sense. And that's so really to, to see Bob Ross, even in this commercial, and obviously we'll put a link up with the episode here and so on. If you watch the commercial, it doesn't quite look and sound like him. It doesn't. In fact, when I was listening to it, because I've seen it and it weirded me out. And then I yeah. just honestly, I couldn't watch it again. Yeah. But then... When I was just listening to it when you played it, yeah. and the whoever the voice actor they that they got has kind of a southern tinge to his voice, and yeah, I yeah. don't remember Bob Ross sounding southern to me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. So there's like a a part that it's just meh. it's un, it's it's unheimlich. It's uncanny. It's a little bit off. Speaking of sounds, though, mm-hmm. sound as you mentioned earlier is like a very big part of the Bob Ross experience. Oh, the sound yes. of his voice, but also um, the sound of like. Um, you know, the sound of like his brushes. There, but I want to keep the bottom light so it looks like mist. You could even take another two inch brush, and I have several, and tap it. Really get in there and tap it and then lift upward. It'll help create that illusion of mist right down at the bottom. And sometimes, sometimes it's a lot of fun to put several layers. It helps create depth in your painting. And for that, We'll add a little more blue, but we make it a little darker. Add a little bit of Prussian blue to it and make it a little darker, but the same thing. And we'll come back and let's put another little layer in here. Just touching and pulling downward. That's all we're doing. That's really all we're doing. Something about my cat. There. And we don't know where that goes. It doesn't matter at this point. That's the yes. thing for me is the sound of the brushes against the canvas. Oh, I just, so many memories just came to my mind of him making, <laughs> you know, like the the exact color of a tree. And there were usually trees in the distance that were darker and tre- than trees in the front or clouds. You know, oh, the, yeah. the joke is always about his clouds and his happy clouds. Yes. Um, but yes, the sound is so key. Can we talk about um, trees and clouds? Yes. I want to play you a clip from one of his... Um, one of his videos, 8,700,000 views called Secluded Bridge from season 10, episode four. And this is a clip where he's going to make a comment. He makes lots of comments about trees. (laughs) And this is just a comment that I thought was so, so Bob Ross. See, just as many as you want or as few. And don't make them all straight. Trees grow every which way. 
Some of them have little, little kinks in them, and they're like people. Everybody's different. Trees are different. Let them be individuals. Let them have personalities. There they go. See all them little rascals? Well, it looks like a looks like woods already back here. He's putting these trees up there, and they're emerging ghost-like out of this like Bob Rossian kind of like. 80s dreamscape background kind of looking thing trees you gotta love that there's you, something you got to okay i i looked it up apparently he's floridian so that's questionable okay. about whether or not you want to say that southern but okay. I, I stand corrected a little bit on the accent <laughs> um okay so the trees something about the sound of his voice yeah is like paternalistic in a very comforting kind of a way let's go right up here Maybe there's some happy little water coming right down through here, and it's just bubbling along, having a good time, splashing, carrying on. Just, just think how water would think. Just, you know, just pretend you're water coming down here and having a good time, and just the world's happy and it's a good day, and all of a sudden, oh, you fall over. You just, it falls right over. Look at that. That easy. You can make a happy little waterfall. Yeah. You know, it's like everything's going to be okay because I'm here talking about these trees. I'm here. Uh, so, That's some, how I experience How about you? One of my favorite things he said that actually like ministered to me spiritually in my life. He's doing this painting. Uh-huh. I can't find it right now, but I remember it very clearly. He's doing a painting. He's like, you know what? You want to put a bush here? You want to move it over a little bit? You can. You know what? This is your painting. You can do whatever, <laughs> you, can do whatever you want. And we can begin putting all kinds of little bushes that live here. See, and they follow the lay of the land coming right down like this. As many or as few as you want. This is your world. So you make it happen. You make it happen. There it is. And I was like thinking like, I I was like thinking, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. This is my painting and I'm going to do whatever I want. And if it's wrong or bad, it's mine. You know what I mean? It reminds me of a joke I saw recently. I know you're going through a home reno project uh, recently, so yes, I thought miserable. this joke is tailor-made for oh, you, good, okay. but it's a little bit of a roast on you for even tackling this home reno project. So it's every, a lot of things in okay. one. Are you ready for it? Okay, please. The joke is, look, don't don't let other people ruin your day. It's your day. You should ruin it yourself. Oh, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that on a real soul level right uh, now because yes, we are definitely- You're ruining it for yourself. I, I think okay. I sent you a picture of just- the it looks like a crime scene in our house right now. The crime scene, plastic everywhere. That's it's right. Like you could definitely it's a crime kill someone scene. in it's, our house and get away with it. It's a crime scene. If you want to kill someone, go to Leah's house and do it there. <laughs> right now, you have about twenty four hours. But um, so so the thing about Bob Ross that I want to talk with you about is because. I was kind of interested when you wanted to talk about Bob Ross because yeah. listeners, this is sort of a, it, we kind of go back and forth about who picks, you know, the topic for the episode Here and, and, and Bob Ross is, is, um, is a Brian pick. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about Bob Ross, and I just wanted to talk to you about it yeah. was, you know, he's iconic. He's, he's got guru status, mm-hmm. I think, um, in kind of a populist way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of like the, Julia Child of painting. He's trying to bring yes. painting to the people. Yep. But his paintings are ultra, to use a kid, where the kids use these things, basic. They're very basic paintings. It's true. It, <laughs> it's and true. you are not that kind of way. Like, we have a joke between the two of us because we've done a lot of work <laughs> together where, like, you know how they say, 
you know, 80% teaching, you teach to like the 80%, yep. you leave the 20% alone. Yep. Brian runs cl classes where he is like, he's going to get to that 20%. This is so true. And I'm an 80%. I leave the 80% guy, behind. Gal. You leave, you're you're going to go for the 80. Yeah. We, you know, we, we work well together probably because of that. But hit Bob Ross is like an 80% guy. He's, uh, he's, Why do you like him, oh, artiste? You know, he, okay, so his... His painting technique, actually, funny enough, on this theme of like actually scandal beneath yeah. the surface of this very calm facade, he was accused of stealing his painting technique oh, really? from another person um, from whom he had learned it, his mentor. And this is like 52 minutes down in the 57 minute Yahoo article read. So oh, I you guess can go I didn't that. get to that point. Um, no, it, very, very few have. Okay. Very few have um, gotten to that point. Um, but those who have Alston Ramsey are in for a treat. I love it. Um, but basically, so his technique is like, he takes he does what's called a la prima painting, which means all wet. So you do it all wet at the same time. Oh, so right. people who paint in oil sometimes will do like a layer or a glaze and you let it dry. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mm -hmm. make for good TV programming or good, you know, if you're going to have people in like a cultural center and do like a painting workshop, which he did a lot of that kind of stuff throughout his life. You need to do something that you can do at one shot, which actually one thing I really like about Bob Ross is when I try to do art or things like that, I'm a harried parent. I'm, you know, 40 plus years old. Let's yeah. just say somewhere in that zone. Okay. I don't have like hours or days to do stuff. If I'm going to do something, it has to be all at one shot. You can really, really do a fantastic little painting in just a matter of minutes. As I say, the old clocks tell me I got to leave you for this, this time, but I'll be back. And so I appreciate this attempt to like, hey, just try to make something beautiful that you like. And so. Okay. He, okay. So he would basically, he would cover his paint with like this kind of really light white oil paint, which we call, it's called magic white. Magic white. <laughs> he would always pronounce the H before the W, you know, that thing. Uh -huh. A little magic white all over. And then you kind of like blend stuff into it. So it would have kind of like a cheesy basic, kind of like the kind of thing your grandparents might have on their wall in their yeah. house. And, yeah. and think they think it's good art and you're looking at it like, what the heck is that? Like. And they had that kind of look. I think what I liked about it is the thing that, well, the thing that made him a guru to millennials, uh, as the article says, um, namely the sounds, the comfort, the harking back to a simpler time, the clouds, his focus on the happy clouds, you know, like yeah. clou are, are clouds not a perfect spiritual symbol? They, they are beautiful, number one. But number two, they're always changing. And number three, it's like you appreciate them for a moment, but then they're gone, but they always renew themselves. See, it's it's gorgeous. Come on. You got okay. it. That's what I love about That's it. really fun to me yeah. that you came away with so much depth yeah. from someone whose artistic style could be compared to, I don't know, Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> the I, painter of light. The paint Thomas Kincaid painter of light. Um That's yeah. Right. So I have a question for you about this whole because yeah. We've been talking around kind of one of the central issues mm -hmm. of Bob Ross's life right now. Yeah. His afterlife, I should say. Mm -hmm. And that is the the fact that he is apparently a guru to millennials. A guru. What is a guru anyway? Well, one what of the things that? that I think is interesting about guru language, yeah. and in my, my knowledge of this is really limited, it has a really multi-religious... Um, origin story. Yeah, people use it all the time. Yeah, like, Buddhism, Jainism, yeah. Sikh communities, Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So um, so it, it, there are lots of different deployments of this term. Mm -hmm. I think of it in its 20th century context where it, it enters into American popular culture in the 1960s and 1970s when um, American youths, the, the baby boomers as we now know them, mm -hmm. had this um, interest in 
Eastern culture, Eastern oh. mysticism. And so like uh-huh. when bands like the Beatles travel to the East and then they yep. brought with them yep. like this very Western construction of Eastern mysticism. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear the idea that millennials have <laughs> a guru in Bob Ross, so many things go off in my brain. Yep. And one of them is that how funny is it that millennials and cause there's this, apparently epic struggle between boomers and millennials and that they both have gurus. Right. I love that so much. There's so much, but I don't even know if I think of myself as a millennial. Well, but you know, it depends where you divide the, you know, I think the, the, the secret about us, the promise, the the promise and the peril micro generation, we're in a micro generation. We are bridge figures given when we were born. I was born in 1979. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people say that 1979 is the, is the um, first year in which you can be, uh, be a millennial or it's the last year in which you can be Gen X. I've heard us called so, Xennials. Xennials. Because yeah. I do, like, I feel, you know, my tastes are very shaped by Gen X. Yeah. Like Nirvana. Yeah. I really love the depressing rock. I felt, oh, yeah. I feel too old to get Britney Spears on a soul level. Right. You know? Right. But on the other hand... I'm a lot more tech savvy than a lot of, you know, so I don't know. Where do you feel? Well, where does your soul feel at I, home? I think my soul is a, is a Gen X soul, but I think I feel like I understand the millennial vibes. And I will read from an authoritative source on the meaning of the word guru, namely Wikipedia. In, <laughs> in Sanskrit, guru means literally dispeller of darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is where Gen Xers, we would not even really like the idea of a guru. Because oh, yeah. It's, yeah. You don't want to dispel the darkness. No, you want to bring it darkness. in. That's why Kurt Cobain, maybe he's the guru oh, because gosh, you bring yeah. our guru brings the darkness. And here and there, the light's going to zing through and sparkle some of these. Make them shine. Look at that. All right, darker, darker, darker down here toward the base. Leave these dark areas. They're very, very important. Very important. We'll wash that old brush off. You don't dispel it. You need it. You want it. And this is why Thomas yeah. Kincaid, I was yeah. just looking for this article. I can't find it, but I read a fantastic, um, a fantastic religious takedown of Thomas Kincaid from a Christian perspective, which said, this is precisely the, pro- the problem with a Thomas Kincaid, the painter of light painting, is that it's a world in which there's no death and therefore there can be no resurrection. Oh, I love that. Because yeah, there's no, you know what I mean? And so, and Bob Ross, he potentially has this problem with the paintings is that there's no darkness. You get the sense that he may himself have a dark past. He was in the military. He had a lot of chaos in his mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And maybe there... Maybe it's a coping mechanism. It's coping. For, and and yeah. Thomas Kincaid too. I mean, he was... Oh yeah, you know, very, very troubled. With alcoholism troubled past. and Very troubled. And so the idea that you can escape to this world of light... You know, yeah. it's really interesting because now I'm thinking of all these icons of my childhood imagination mm. that didn't sell me that kind of mm-hmm. kind of a world. Mm-hmm. Like like a LeVar Burton, who I will love forever. Oh, yeah. And when you think Reading of Rainbow. Reading Rainbow, he does not tell you that it's it. he's not like reader of just all happy things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think when I when I think about my own life. Um, I I saw some sort of meme or something that said basically children of the nineties, we're, we're just, we're so ready for this lockdown quarantine <laughs> world that we've all been living in for the last, I don't know, 17 months or so, because yeah. when we, we always thought the world was going to be this way. Yeah. Um, there was <laughs> my, I was talking with my dad 
And he was having like a kids these days moment. And oh, he was yeah. like, why is all this music so angsty? And like popular music. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. I listen to Top 40 radio every now and then. I hear mostly happy fun times, you mm-hmm. know, part, let's party through the pandemic. Right. I just said, you'd have to go back to the, the music more of my generation to get the really depressing stuff. And I like it. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, when when the pandemic came, it was like, all right, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Do this, this is life. There, there are two <laughs> things from Bob Ross's videos that I think actually tie into this. Mm-hmm. One is he has this iconic brush cleaning routine. Mm. You remember the brush oh, cleaning? Oh, I love that. Yeah, let me wash the brush. And we wash our brush with odorless thinner. I have a screen in the bottom of this bucket that I scrub the, the brush against. Shake out the excess. <laughs> Just beat the devil out of it. That's all there is to it. But one thing he says often when he kind of does it, he would say, you've got to, um, when you're cleaning it, he would, he would rattle it around and he would say, you've got to beat the devil out of it, which I think is a fascinating oh, like cue for thinking about what he's doing in painting and what, or even like a Thomas Kincaid, like mm-hmm. what that world is. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like just beating the devil out of the, out of your space and you're creating something. The other thing is he, he sometimes would, he'll create like this kind of very, um, you know, very almost like cloudy kind of mm-hmm. landscape, a lot of pastel colors. And then over the top of it, he makes some some very dark marks of like trees and so on. And there was this particular video I was watching recently where he talks about um, making those marks as like, are you ready to be brave? Okay, let's have some more fun. <laughs> let's see, let's take some black, some Prussian blue, and a little phthalo blue. It doesn't matter, we just throw it on there. Crimson too, what the heck? Be brave. Be brave. I'll put a little sap green in there too. It's getting close enough we should begin seeing some color. A little bit of white. Don't want it totally dark yet. Are you ready to be brave? Because it is like when you're making a painting and you're going to put a dark mark over the top of this stuff that you just spent like 30 minutes yeah, yeah. crafting. And so I, that's as close as he comes to like approaching darkness maybe mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. this idea that you might have to commit an act of bravery while making a painting and that you could actually make a mistake. And so there's actually a threat. Of course, the threat is diffused because just like on a good episode of the Property Brothers, you, ne- <laughs> you never fail. The show always ends the same way. That's true. That's it always true. ends with a great Bob Ross style painting. I will say, you know, since you bring up home improvement shows, mm-hmm. that there is a ritualized feeling of comfort oh, yes. that is really important for enduring suffering and difficult mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So maybe I was a little bit too judgy of the happy fun times mm. art, even mm. some of the dance tunes that, <laughs> that people have used to kind of get through this moment. I, yeah. I have long thought that we're going to enter into you know, and I'm certainly not the only one talking about like a different kind of roaring 20s where people have a sense of like in the early or in the 1920s, they had just been through this global trauma Mm -hmm. and in in the form of world war and then a pandemic. And then when they came out on the other side, there was not just not just like relief fun partying, but kind of a nihilistic Mm. sense of partying. And I sort of wonder if we're like maybe maybe we could misinterpret some of the on the surface funny happy looking stuff oh. as being oh. shallow but maybe it's sort of like a maybe there's hidden depths I absolutely have to have dark in order to have light got to have dark got to have opposites dark and light light and dark continually in painting if you have light on light you have nothing if you have dark on dark 
you basically have nothing. There we are. You know, it's like in life. You've got to have a little sadness once in a while so you, you know when the good times come. I'm waiting on the good times now. I just had like this dark chill come over me because, of course, what came after the 1920s? Oh, yeah. Is the, the idea is like, is the pandemic a ribbon cutting to a new uh, era of, let's say, problems? But if we could get a good decade in here, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, let's do that. I'll put a little sap green in there, too. It's getting close enough. We should begin seeing some color. A little bit of white. Don't want it totally dark yet. There. Perfect. Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos. We're going to normalize weirdness in your life. Oh, but then it won't be weird. Yes, it will. <laughs> for extras on subjects covered in this episode and other related jokes, don't forget to follow us on the socials and visit our website, weirdreligion.com. We're doing our own production these days and our own sound flourishes, but our official theme music is still by Cassie Blum. And our album artwork is by John Williams. When you podcast, podcast with us. Bye-bye. My name is Brian Doak. I'm a... Bil- uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can start over if you want. Sorry about that.